Hello, everyone. Wow. What a day to come back from vacation. Happy 2024. We are waiting at this moment on the list of names that's coming out literally any second right now. The names of the people that are said to have been affiliated with none other than Jeffrey Epstein, the notorious pedophile and who knows what else. Anyway, I, I hate even having to say these words. What is wrong with the world these days that we've got like stuff like this going on? Anyway, lots to talk about as we wait right here. More details to get into. There's some names that we already know and expect. There may be some additional ones. We should caution that it doesn't necessarily mean you're on the list, so to speak, but not necessarily a great place to be, right? Plus, we're going to talk about Claudine Gay and Harvard University. I have a feeling that more people are going to be in trouble, shall we say, at Harvard. And we're going to discuss why it is a good thing that they are. You got Menendez. I think we'll get theme going on here, right? Menendez and all of that stuff. And then, um, well... Disney, as if Disney wasn't woke enough, maybe making a, a woke move with its new director for Star Wars. So we, we got to talk about that, too. It's great to see you all. It is a live edition of the Trish Regan Show. I'm Trish. We're brought to you, as always, by our friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. Speaking of which, you know, did you see we're above $34 trillion right now in terms of our overall debt now as a nation. I mean, just a few weeks ago, it seemed like we were at 33 trillion. You see how that interest adds up fast? 34 trillion and counting. So you know what, ladies and gentlemen, if you're worried about inflation because we just keep printing money, you should look at something perhaps like gold. Give them a ring, one 589 Again, great to see so many of you right now. I know there's a, there was a Jane Joe, a Jane Doe, forgive me, that was kind of holding things up and we thought maybe the list wouldn't in fact come today, but indeed it's coming and it will be released by the federal court there. So really pretty uh, remarkable stuff. It'll be very interesting to see who is on it. I should point out that, um, well, you know what? We, we know Bill Clinton's going to be on it. And uh, we've heard a lot about that in the past. It's something that Donald Trump himself highlighted just a few years ago. Let's go to this clip. Uh, Bill Clinton. Nice guy. Uh, got a lot of problems coming up, in my opinion, with the famous island with Jeffrey Epstein. A lot of problems. Uh <laughs> Indeed, a lot of problems. That island uh, coming back to haunt you. You know, Marsha Blackburn had been trying to get this list. Remember, she wanted to know just exactly who was flying on that plane to the infamous Epstein Island, the Lolita Express, as they called it. Senator Marsha Blackburn, however, was fought off by Democrats who didn't want this list coming out. Well, it doesn't matter because, you see, Virginia Jeff, in her lawsuit, actually part of that lawsuit meant that it would be revealed who was on this associate list. So again, just to caution that just because you're on the list doesn't necessarily make you guilty, but I don't think it's really the place you want to be, right? I mean, Bill Gates was asked about this in a recent interview and he, you know, it was kind of, kind of weird the way he was like skirting around the issue and said some interesting things, including, well, you know, it's not necessarily a relationship I wished I'd had. And, uh, well, the guy wound up dead, right? Anyway, again, we're waiting on this. 187 names, so nearly 200 names being revealed on that Jeffrey Epstein list. The news first coming out uh, earlier today. Let's, let's go to the Fox clip. 
An update for you now. Fox News has learned that court documents containing the names of nearly 200 people associated with the late Jeffrey Epstein are expected to be unsealed as early as today. That comes after the court-ordered deadline for associates to appeal expired January the 1st at midnight. The unsealing is expected to include names of former associates, friends, employees, accusers, and potential accomplices. However, the unsealing of three specific names will be held until at least January the 22nd, pending appeals. But we will learn who some of these other folks are. Sandra? Those three specific names are being held, as you just heard in that report, because those three individuals have some legal issues going on, and that's getting sort of, if you would, trapped up in the court system. But those will likely come out, too. So pretty interesting. Pretty interesting stuff. I mean, remember how much this was effectively covered up? If you would, it was a big deal when Project Veritas reported on this because there was a Good Morning America anchor that said she had the story. She had the story and she had to sit on it for years because the network wouldn't let her run it. I want to go back to this Project Veritas getting this leaked audio, which I believe Amy herself, the anchor who's no longer there at ABC or GMA, actually reposted on her own Twitter. Let, let's take a look at this. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail and now it's all coming out and it's like these new revelations and I freaking had all of it I, I, I'm so pissed right now like every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like oh my god we it was um, what, what we had was unreal other women backing it up hey yep Brad Edwards the attorney three years ago saying like aunt like we there will come a day when we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known and, she had it all and they wouldn't let her run it. She pointed out influential people at the palace threatening that they wouldn't get an interview with Kate. I mean, my goodness, there was a lot going on, right? And don't forget, you know, Prince Andrew, his role in this whole thing. We know about all of that. The question now just becomes like, who else? Who else? Clinton, Bill Gates, you heard Alan's name mentioned there. Again, just because you're on the list doesn't necessarily imply anything, but it's not a list you really want to be on, right? Let's be honest. Anyway, Amy Robach had it all. She had it all, and her network that she's no longer at was kind of unceremoniously forced out of wouldn't let her run the story. I mean, really kind of fascinating when you think about all of that. And then you got to think about all this other news that's going on today. And you're like, wait a second. Is this, is this supposed to be a distraction 
from this list, so to speak. I mean, it's just timing, I think. And, you know, we're starting off the new year with a bang. Literally, um, let's continue to wait. Again, 187 names minus three, right? There's three that we're not going to get until later in the month, but those are coming out. We are all over this. I got a team standing by as we look right now to see exactly when this hits. So don't go anywhere. Stay with me. But I want to move on to another story. As we talk about this theme of protection, whether it was ABC refusing to publish the story that their reporter had all that information on the victims and Jeffrey Epstein, or whether it's protecting Claudine Gay, right? Which is, by the way, a totally different kind of story, totally different theme. And yet when you think about the protection, like the, the sort of elite, if you would, protecting their own, it kind of it kind of speaks volumes. And then you got Menendez on top of it. Turning to Harvard right now, Claudine Gay, the black female president of Harvard University, the first ever, is going down in history in more ways than one because she is now the shortest-lived president at Harvard University in its entire history. Well, Claudine Gay did some things and didn't say some things that she should have that resulted in her firing. But what's happening right now? Oh, you know what? It's it's all about race, of course, right? Like, we just can't get away from the race. Did, did someone say that Liz McGill from UPenn was black? I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it. Here, let's take a look at her resignation letter. So this is Claudine Gay saying that she's stepping down at Harvard. And just look at this line right here. She says, with a heavy heart, blah, blah, blah. But basically, for the good of the university, I'm going to need to do this after speaking with the board. And then you see this little line right here. Down at the end, she says, you know what? It's been really basically difficult, right? Very, you know, I've had this distressing situation to have doubt cast on my commitments by confronting hate and to upholding scholarly vigor, rigor, forgive me, to bedrock values that are fundamental to who I am and frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus. And the letter goes on. But you see how that just got dangled right out there? And who took the bait? Oh, her friend over at Boston University, Kendi, who makes a whole living out of this whole DEI stuff, he took the bait pretty darn quick. Take a look at this one. He started tweeting out that basically this is all race, you know, racist mobs won't stop until they topple all black people from positions of power and influence who are not reinforcing the structure of racism. Are you kidding me? What these racist mobs are doing should be obvious to any reporter who cares about truth or justice as opposed to conflicts and cliques. Please, I'm sorry, mister. By the way, that's coming. He went on. He's got more to say. That's how anti-black racist attacks have been justified. The seemingly legitimate reason in this latest case at Harvard is primarily academic misconduct or plagiarism. The question to assess whether this was a racist attack isn't whether Dr. Gay engaged in a misconduct. Blah, blah, blah. He goes on. But here's, here's the punchline. You know what? Hey, Kendi. I do believe that somebody else got tossed out as a university president for plagiarism, for using data, manipulating data, which is one of the things that she was accused of, right? That was the Stanford University guy, the president of Stanford University. That was a guy. That was a white guy. Ha ha. What do you know? Stanford president resigns after fallout from his falsified data in his research per NPR. That was just a few months ago, back in July. 
And then, well, let's go to the clip. There were two other ladies there being questioned by Elise Stefanik, way to go, Harvard girl herself, Representative Stefanik asking just exactly why they weren't willing to stand up for Jewish kids on campus at a time like this. Let's listen to this exchange. Rules around bullying and harassment are quite specific. And if the context in which that language is used amounts to bullying and harassment, then we take, we take action against it. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. The answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer. Yes, Ms. McGill. Oh, by the way, Ms. McGill, you saw her. White lady, kind of blondish hair. She was gone right after that. Okay, gone. Gonzo, done. Mark Rowan, very successful investor. He really led the charge on that one, put the board under a tremendous amount of pressure saying, hey, what are you doing? You can't have someone saying that. And so she was done, but Claudine's still hanging out, right? So everybody's like, why isn't that changing? And by the way, the MIT lady, I have a feeling she might be done too. The Columbia lady, she must be like breathing a sigh of relief. She had a climate change thing to go to that day in all seriousness. So she missed that hearing. But what the heck is wrong with people? I mean, you're going to sit there and try and parse words when you're talking about things like genocide. I, I, you know, hey, if Harvard found out that you called anybody fat or if you misgendered them, well, that's... You know, that, that's a case where you got to be expelled, right? You can't get graduated from Harvard with a diploma from Harvard if you, if you, God forbid, ever misgendered anyone. But, but it's perfectly fine to sit there and call for the genocide of Jews. You saw the video. I've showed you guys this many, many times of that one kid who got so badly harassed by one of the people that's an editor, an editor on the Harvard Law Review. This, this young kid, he's like walking across campus, gets surrounded by all these people in the middle of their pro-Palestine, you know, rally. And, and they surround this kid shouting, shame, shame, shame. How is that a lot? How did that kid not get expelled? How did Claudine not say anything? I mean, it took her forever, by the way, to first of all issue a statement after October 7th. While all these clubs, how many? Over 30 of them immediately at Harvard said that it was Israel's fault. I mean, sickening stuff. And she refused to condemn it. So she was in over her head, I'll tell you. I mean, this is, I hate to say it, but this is exactly the problem with DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You get so obsessed with diversity, equity, inclusion, you start hiring people that can't actually do the job. Sure, she had a great resume. You know what? She, she went to my high school. She was a senior when I was a freshman. She was like the boarding student from Saudi Arabia. Her parents were working in Saudi Arabia. I was, I was just a townie. <laughs> she was a whole other league, right? I actually don't remember her, but she did graduate uh, the year I would have been a freshman at Phillips Exeter and then went on to Stanford. She's got this like beautiful academic career, but, but most people in academia you know what they published? They published, she published only like 11 papers. And then on top of that, never even wrote a book. I mean, 
hey, I'm not in academia, and I wrote a book a thousand percent myself, no ghostwriter, all me. You know, I'm sorry, like, lady, you didn't deserve the job. And by the way, when the going got tough, what did you do? You totally screwed up, massively, massively screwed up. And you didn't say the right stuff. And we just kind of have to ask why. And then there were the plagiarism allegations on top of it, which are pretty serious in a place like Harvard, or at least should be. So you're left sitting there going, well, why didn't they get rid of her earlier? Because the board so desperately, desperately, desperately wanted her. That's the problem. And this is the entire problem. When you're picking people because they check a certain box instead of their actual ability to do the job, then you're going to get yourself in a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of trouble. I mean, we just heard from Kendi, you know, with his view on it, he thinks it's all race. That doesn't really make any sense, obviously, given that they got rid of Liz McGill right away from UPenn, given that, you know, who else has her job on the line is the MIT lady. Doesn't make any sense. But you know what? This is what they want to fit their narrative because they just want to divide, divide, divide all over again. And Claudine, an African-American political scientist, in other words, that was her specialty, Africa and African-American studies, she basically dangled that one out there. I want you to remember just exactly who he is. I showed you his tweets, but we got we to see the soundbite again because this is the guy who said basically, you know, if you're white, you can't fully appreciate humanity. This is how, this is how bad these people are getting. I mean, this is just unacceptable. What a jerk. Here we go. think uh, white uh, people worldwide have really reckoned with how much their own personal identity is shaped by constructions of whiteness and and how much um, that construction of whiteness uh, prevents uh, white people from uh, connecting to humanity. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. So this has got to be unwound some way. I'm not saying there's not socioeconomic challenges in this country, but for the most part, you know what? America's a pretty good place. And yeah, sure, there are pockets of racism. I get it out there. But for the most part, we emphasize America's a pretty good place. We're pretty simple. You know what? We're capitalists. Heck, you know, you can make us money. You can do the job. We're all in. We shouldn't see color. We never have really seen color until all of a sudden, Lately, where it's like the only thing you can ever think about because they just keep pushing it down everyone's throat. Listen, there are socioeconomic challenges without a doubt for lots of people in this country. Lots. And is that race related? I mean, in some cases, yes, but there's lots of poor kids in Appalachia too that don't have the, the same color skin as Claudine or Candy and Claudine, meanwhile, you know, had the benefit of a fancy boarding school education and lots of, I'm just saying, listen, we need to get back to the teachings, frankly, of Martin Luther King Jr., where you don't see color, for goodness sakes. You see people as people. You see people as individuals. I thought we were there. Heck, we got, we elected a black president twice, did we not? I mean, we were there. And then all of a sudden, they're trying to use race to divide us again. And it's wrong. Listen, I'm not saying you don't want to fix things. You should fix things. 
But start thinking about fixing things like family and community and church and school. And then we can have a real conversation, okay? You can't fix it after the fact by saying, okay, we're going to put in a black woman to run Harvard University, who frankly is, I'm sorry, but the least qualified of any of the candidates who we've ever had, any of the people who have ever run this university. But that's where we are, all in the name of DEI. It's, it's not working. It's never going to work. Again, if you're just joining us, we are... On the names, 187 names to be released momentarily of uh, associates with Jeffrey Epstein. There had been quite an effort underway to protect all of these people. Really, for years, we heard earlier from the anchor at ABC News who said she had the story. She had the story. She was sitting on all the information for three years. They would never let her run it. And then finally, finally, things started to come out. The reason, by the way, these names are about to be released is because of Virginia Jeff, who's one of the victims that wound up suing, including the Maxwell lady, who was the sort of... Madam, if you would, for, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't believe we're talking about this, Jeffrey Epstein, and is, is, was accused of and convicted of um, trafficking in young women. She was actually jailed on the Man Act, which is, interestingly enough, one of the things that House Republicans have been looking at in relation to Hunter Biden and some of the indiscretions, that's my euphemism, I guess, a way of putting it, that he had. Because if you are bringing women for such intended purposes across state lines, that will put you in violation of the Man Act. And that is what they wound up getting Giselle Maxwell on, the Man Act. And so as part of, anyway, Virginia Jeff's lawsuit, she wanted these names revealed, these associates. And indeed, um, the court agreed, the federal Manhattan court judge agreed. The clerk is, uh, again, as I said, announcing these things momentarily. So we are quite interested to see if there's any names that we don't or didn't anticipate or just uh, maybe we thought might be on there and now they've been indeed, in fact, released. So again, cover-ups going on, whether it be, you know, the Harvard University covering up for allegations of plagiarism. And they did, by the way, don't forget, they hired that law firm that immediately hit the press. I think it was New York Post, actually, that first reported on this. Christopher Rufo had done quite a bit of investigation uh, style reporting into this alleged plagiarism and they were going to report on it. And so the lawyer came in and very heavy handed said, no, you know, and by the way, if you do this, you're going to be in huge trouble. And then also said at one point as more stuff came out, I guess that they had already done an investigation and there was no there there. Turns out they hadn't done an investigation, but they were trying to protect her. They were trying to protect her and their name and that the smart answer, frankly, the normal person answer would have been to say, you know what? This woman is a liability. We made a mistake. And just like University of Pennsylvania, we're going to cut the court because you can't sit there in front of Congress and try and justify genocide of any kind. I'm sorry. You had me at that. Like we didn't even have to go to the plagiarism stuff for goodness sakes. Unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable. So 
covering up. What about Menendez? Did you see this one? So Breitbart ran the story today. Robert Menendez, the senator from New Jersey, who was already in trouble for apparently accepting some alleged bribes to help out Egypt. Well, now Senator Bob Menendez is being accused of accepting bribes from the Qatari royal family. So the saga goes on. You know, one hopes that this kind of thing doesn't really go on in politics, but I think in light of what we have learned about Joe and Hunter Biden, we're starting to question this more and more. And then you combine that with this headline. Now, is this the red herring? Are they like, okay, look over here, look over here, look over here. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to work. If it's a distraction tool, forget about it. Like people, if anything, are now more sensitive to some of this stuff. So there are allegations, as I said, that uh, perhaps he accepted some bribes from the Qatari royal family. And I guess uh, if he did, then that would be the benefit of being a senator, shall we say? Unbelievable. Pretty bad, bad stuff. Um, (laughs) You know, it, it can make you pretty vulnerable too, right? If you're a lawmaker and you're out there trying to peddle and, you know, make certain deals for certain countries for various reasons that are tied to your finances, well, then that's a problem. It brings us, of course, back to none other than Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. I should point out the University of Pennsylvania, so long as we're talking academia and protection and foreign money, the University of Pennsylvania got a ton of funding from China for none other than Biden's little, you know, research center that he had set up. In fact, that was where they found some of those documents, those classified documents that he should not have taken. Interesting when you think about it. I mean, why do we have all this foreign money going into universities? Is that one of the reasons that Claudine Gay was so reluctant to come down much harder on Israel to begin with? I mean, she she could have come out, as she should have, and said these students are, you know, way off the mark. It was unbelievable what they said. Unbelievable. Her immediate response was unbelievable. And you wonder, given the billions of dollars that's coming in from places in the Middle East, if they're sort of conflicted, shall we say. I mean, you get billions coming from China and billions coming from the Middle East. And all of a sudden, by the way, this has been well-documented. The money is extraordinary and they have departments now devoted to Middle Eastern studies. And so there's kind of a theme, right? Where they're trying to advance a certain agenda. And I just have to ask myself like, Hey, you know, what happened to sort of American schools for American kids It's lovely that we can have this sort of international pool of talent, but can we fully trust the international pool of talent and can we trust the money that's coming in from overseas? I don't think you can. I think you have to look at this and recognize that, yes, there are strings attached. And so uh, enormously endowed institution, Harvard University, gets lots more money, not just from U.S. taxpayers, like we can afford it with our $34 trillion and counting, but they're getting money from the likes of China and many countries throughout the Middle East. Same thing going on at UPenn. And then Menendez, he's in trouble because apparently he was getting, well, allegedly, let me be very clear, allegedly getting a little cash on the side from some countries. 
it makes you really think about just how, uh, how for sale we really are. And you can't help but go back to Hunter Biden, who had no experience in the natural gas industry, none at all, and yet somehow got a plum gig on the board of directors for Burisma Energy to the tune of $83,000 a month. Like, there are no board gigs that pay that. I've never heard of it, ever. Like, it'd be a big deal to get 83 k a year for a board gig. And he's getting 83 k a month. And by the way, not just him, but his partner, Devin Archer, Devin Archer, who admitted and told not just Congress, but then went on to Tucker Carlson's show and said, yeah, you know what, what were we doing? We were selling the Biden brand. Why? What is it that the Biden brand could do for you? Unless, of course, Hunter had a direct line to Pops and Pops could do things like, oh, I don't know, get rid of the prosecutor for Burisma because the prosecutor, Victor Shokin, was going after that particular now defunct energy company really hard? Look, I mean, again, you get back to this corruption and protection and you got a problem. And I'm just saying, you know what? Like, it shouldn't be this... Corrupt. It shouldn't be this twisted. Like things should be pretty simple. Simple, right? Like again, we're a capitalist society. That's the beauty of capitalism. Look, it's not perfect. We know that. Nothing is. But it sure as heck beats the alternative. And the sooner America figures this out, whether it be universities, whether it be politicians, by the way, that analogy doesn't really totally work, right? Because I guess it's in their interest to do that as a capitalist, but that's where you to kick in real law and order so that you don't have backs anywhere just because they want to get ahead. Anyway, speaking of capitalism and companies getting ahead or not getting ahead, we got to turn to Disney because Disney's been having a heck of a time. I mean, you look at the stock price, right? And what's happened? Oh gosh, like in the last five years, That stock price has gotten cut basically in half, in half. And so there's a reason for that. And you've heard me talk about this in the past. The reason has everything to do with Disney itself as a company and its desire to become, well, more and more woke, more and more political. They admitted it, actually. In their September filing, their annual report, they said, you know, sometimes we're kind of out of step with where our customers want us to be, you know, we have political views, et cetera. Well, these political views are getting them kind of in a bit of trouble, a lot of trouble. And the last few movies they've had have been total flops. Like they've lost a lot of money. They've had to now what postpone that snow white remake that they were going to do. That's costing them hundreds of millions of dollars. Bob Iger, he came back into the seat. Everybody's like, okay, maybe he'll get it together. Oh, he hasn't gotten it together yet. He brought in the CFO from Pepsi in hopes that that guy will help them rein in their costs. But, you know, ultimately, you can do all the cost cutting you want if you don't have a good product. If you don't have a product that people want to embrace, then fundamentally, you got big challenges. And Bob Iger, you know, for a while, he was coming out with all those hits. I mean, think about it. Frozen, I think, was under him. And Frozen was a big hit, had some good musical numbers. Now there's talk that like Frozen's going to come back and also's got a, a different sort of 
sexual identity, whatever. I don't know if any of that's true, but if that's the case, then I'm sorry. Like a lot of people may not go to Frozen and that's capitalism kicking in for you. And you'd think he'd know these things. Anyway, I, I, I get to it because a lot of people now are grown worried about Star Wars and the Star Wars franchise, which a lot of men liked and identified with. I was never really into it. Full disclosure, guys, like I just never really, but you know, I'm a girl. I don't know. I, I just never really, I just remember Princess Leia. I went for her, went as her uh, in the costume one year. Not, not, the, not the costume you, you might be thinking of. <laughs> the white costume, right? With the Princess Leia buns when I was a little kid. That was sort of the extent of my Star Wars experience. I remember seeing it in the movie theater and it just kind of went over my head and I was like, whatever. Anyway, a lot of people love it. I get it. Like they love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And now they're like, hmm, because they've hired this woman from Pakistan to be the new director. Now, she may be great, right? We just hope that this isn't like a Claudine Gay situation. You hope that she's not getting hired just to check off some box. You hope she's getting hired because she's going to make one heck of a film. But in this day... The need, the desire to create a great product and make a heck of a film seems to be taking the second, second seat to actually creating um, a product that would be woke enough. So, so here she is, like here's the CNN introducing her, this woman uh, who's from Pakistan, as I said, and she's going to remake Star Wars. Here's Sharmino Bechanoi. You know, I'm very thrilled about the project because I think um, what we are about to create is something very special. And we're in 2024 now. And I think uh, it's about time that we had a woman uh, come forward uh, to shape the story in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> okay, so a woman's going to do that. So does this mean no Princess Leia in the chains and the uh, gold costume? Yeah, that's the other costume. That's, that's the one you all think about. I get it. I know. Anyway, who, you know, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, but I certainly hope that we can start getting back to a place in society where we're hiring the best people, not the people with the right political views of the moment. Because the minute you start to do that, guess what? You start losing diversity. Heads up, guys. You know what? Harvard University, their corporation, as it's called, very, very secretive, their board, their trustees, their problem was that they all thought alike. Not that they weren't physically diverse. I mean, you have the physical diverseness. But if you don't have diversity of thought, if you're never challenged intellectually, then how do you really have any diversity, for goodness sakes? You got a bunch of woke, group-minded thinkers who all think they are doing the best job, and they're not. And that's coming out at places like American universities, and it's coming out in companies as well. I mean, Disney, I think it's kind of cooked. I don't know. Like, I mean, I look at this one, and I'm like, geez, you know, guys, you had everything going for it, you, but... In hiring a lot of employees that had this woke mindset, you started to sacrifice diversity. You really did because you have no intellectual diversity. Everybody's thinking alike. And so sure, well, you know, you have physically people who check certain boxes. If they're all of the same mindset that you're not going to actually get any better as a company, you're not actually going to be challenged. 
You're just going to do same old, same old and double down on the wokeness, which, by the way, the rest of America has absolutely no interest in. So can they pull itself out of the hole? I mean, I look at the stock price as well, and I just, I'm not, I'm not sure that 2024 is going to be the year for Disney. You also think about just the changes that are going on in the industry, right? Like, here I am with you. By the way, I want to say thanks. So many of you stayed current with the channel. I took a few days off over the holidays. It was terrific. I watched a lot of interviews. We had some great interviews. My friend Benny Johnson was on the show. We had Dave Rubin on the show. We had um, Michael Knowles, just really a great, great team of people. So it's good to see you all back here, including Alphonse. Good to see you again. And Leslie, of course. Um, So this is, as I said, a live edition of the show. We have been waiting on these names, which we are told are coming today. So if it doesn't happen in the next few minutes, guess what? I promise I will try to come back live as soon as it really and truly does, because I want to see these things as well, guys. I really, really do. But I think that overall we got a theme and it's a problem and there's no diversity going on. Don, yeah, I'm live, live, live. This is live. I see your comments right now in real time. And yes, Mike, it was good to have a little, a little sort of break. I think this is going to be a really interesting year. I think it could be a really difficult year only because we're going into this election. And uh, (laughs) again, I'm laughing at your comments. I miss Reagan too. Reagan spelled with a an A. Ronald Reagan knew how to do it, right? Good policy, great way about him. And um, yet, you know, we, we're, we're kind of lost. We're lost as a country right now. We got so distracted by a lot of nonsense. And it was because, well, we had somebody in office who didn't do the bidding of the so-called deep state, right? I remember talking to Trump, and I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. He just really didn't like to go through the protocol and all the different layers. I think he really wanted to understand things, always himself, He wanted to have his own perspective and his own view rather than have some analyst who had been working in the government for 20 years sit down and present it. He's like, no, no, no. I I want to talk to the actual players. I want to talk to the people. I actually like that. I thought that that was a great approach to policy in a way that was very refreshing, right? Rather than somebody just sort of rubber stamp things, he really wanted to understand and he had good instincts on the policy front, not always like some of his instincts, you know, certainly on the personal front with some of the reporters didn't necessarily do favors, but, but ultimately it still kind of works for him. I mean, the amazing thing about him is like, you can't keep him down. You look at all the polling data we have seen thus far. And yeah, I know Nikki Haley is pulling ahead in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley is, is probably, you know, she's somebody who is to be watched. I don't know if she'll be able to break out this time around. She might be somebody, might be, you know, we keep talking about VP, VP, VP. Might it be her? Might that help bring sort of old line Republicans and MAGA Republicans together? It's entirely possible. But I think it's, it's still going to be, yeah, yeah, you guys are, it's still going to be Trump that's top of the ballot. I, I realize that, There are people in Maine, politicians, specific politicians in Maine and in Colorado that think that they can get away with keeping him off the ballot and denying the Republicans who want him there to be on the ballot. And that in and of itself is really, really disturbing. 
The Trump campaign today announcing that they are filing for the Supreme Court to take a look at this, right? You got Maine trying to use the 14th Amendment. You got Colorado trying to use the 14th Amendment. I should point out that he was actually never even charged with insurrection. So I'm not sure how they use the 14th Amendment in these particular cases, except they're making their own decision, their own decision. And it's a political one. So you have very political players here, and it's a problem. It's a problem for sure. Anyway, I'm going to be back with you as we continue to wait on all of this news. A big thank you again to our wonderful sponsors at LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. It is good to see you. By the way, if I, I, I always forget to tell you this. Usually Don does it for me. Thank you, Don. But make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you share this. And stay tuned, hit the bell, hit the bell, because I will come back so that we can look at these actual names. It is wild what's going on. I'll see you soon.